On episode 20 of the EdTech Pod Squad, the squad shares their best practices for digital citizenship instruction, and the squad welcomes on a special guest. All right, who's ready for the EdTech Pod Squad Live Podcast? Woo! Welcome to the EdTech Pod Squad, a monthly show where five Missouri EdTech leaders talk, share, and reflect on their own teaching and learning. The conversation with Josh Howard, Samantha Hardesty-Noll, Aaron Lawson, Jonathan Lee, and JP Presavento starts right now. Welcome to episode 20 of the EdTech Pod Squad. Let's go around and introduce ourselves. I'm Erin Lawson. I'm the Director of Professional and Program Development in the Orchard Farm School District. And you can find me on Twitter at Erin underscore Lawson3. I'm JP Presvento from Fox School District. You can connect with me on Twitter at JPPres or at JPPres.com. Hi, I'm Samantha Hardesty-Noll with the Wentzville School District. And you can connect with me at TechKnoll. And I'm Jonathan Lee. I'm at METC. You can connect with me on Twitter at JLeeTechPersent. So we have an episode shout out from Twitter. This is from SG Schallenberger, which I know who this is. This is, I know this, she's from my, from my district. Awesome. Samantha Schallenberger. And she tweeted, hashtag LU Lear's graduate students exploring podcasts this week should check out hashtag EdTechPodSquad. And also another shout out to Samantha, she just had a baby girl on Monday. So not only is she out there having babies, but she's also tweeting. She's amazing. Sam was in a session of mine when I was at Orchard Farm a couple weeks ago for PD. She is quite the expert on seesaw and apparently motherhood too. (laughs) Yes, she is. All right, so moving into our what's new, we have a special guest. Sam, would you like to introduce who this is? Um, Yes, we do have a special guest with us today. I'd like to introduce you to my friend and my colleague, Amanda Moody. Amanda's joining us today. She just came back from New York, where she was part of the Google Innovator Academy, and she's going to share some of her takeaways and advice with us today. Amanda Moody, it's not her birthday, but can we give her a woo? Thanks so much for having me today. I'm excited to share with you all. So Amanda, what is your biggest takeaway from the Google Innovator Academy? Uh, My biggest takeaway, wow, that's so hard. It was so quick and so overwhelming, but processing and kind of coming back, I would say my biggest takeaway is just the community of people now that I'll kind of forever be linked with. And I just feel so comfortable with all of them going through this experience together. It's just such a good group. I can reach out to any of them and I have uh, for advice or support. So I feel like it's not only benefiting me, but also, you know, my school district and my students, those connections are just amazing. Kind of like what you guys have here. Oh, that's awesome. And, And what's the biggest piece of advice that you could give to somebody who was interested in applying to be a Google innovator? Well, I'd say number one is do it because that's the toughest obstacle. Um, Definitely as cheesy as it may seem, believe in yourself and believe that you can do it. And uh, don't be afraid to ask for help. Have people look at your application, watch the webinars, really take some time to think through and get feedback and take that feedback in and make changes and you know if it takes more than one time 
and that's okay. You kind of get into the cohort that you should be a part of. I, I do believe that's true. And then most importantly, what, what was your project idea going into Innovator? Yeah, so my project idea is just how can we better connect with the community? I feel like, especially as technology coaches, we do so much work helping teachers and students and we research and we bring them lessons and we coach with teachers and we do all these things, but the community is a group that's kind of always last on our list to connect with and, and to support. And we do so much work with students, and especially now in Missouri with all of our trauma-informed work we do and whole child work. And, you know, we're concerned about them vaping. We're concerned about them being digital citizens and all of that. Uh, my topic just relates to how can we work with the community better to make sure that they know what we're doing to support our teachers in those efforts. And I kind of specifically focused in on digital well-being and digital responsibility. And so my project that I'm currently moving forward with, which is another part of going through the Google Innovator experience, is sometimes your projects and ideas change and your questions change. But mine is looking at um, hosting a digital wellness and responsibility summit. Um, that's an in-person meeting, half day, where people from the community present, students present, and we all kind of get together and learn together just about ways that we can have conversations around digital wellness and well-being and kind of get the parents and community and the know-how of, of what's going on and what they can do for themselves and for their kids. Well, that kind of leads us in perfectly for our topic for this podcast, because we're going to be talking a lot about digital citizenship today. Awesome. Sounds really great. Thank you so much, Amanda, for hopping on our show today and telling us all about being a Google innovator. You're welcome. Well, I'm a big fan of the show <laughs> and I'm glad I can finally be on it. So thank you for having me. Well, I don't want to speak for the squad, but I'm, the microphone's still hot and you're welcome to stick around for the whole episode if you'd like. I think so. All right, we are going to move into our featured content where we're talking about digital citizenship. So I have a quick question for you guys. Whose job is digital citizenship instruction? I mean, does it, does it or should it fall to just the tech coaches? I'm just curious of what your thoughts are. I have a little bit that I do in PD and I do this bit when I talk about digital citizenship, the same that I do when I talk about just technology instruction in general. And I, I'll use this sometimes if I have teachers who are like, well, it's not my job. It's not my job. I'll tell folks to get out their, get out their phones and everyone gets their phone out. And I, they ask me, whose job is this? I say, well, I'm, I'm going to tell you whose job it is right now. Let's get out your phone. And they get out their phone. And I said, I want you to open your camera and turn it around facing yourself. And that's whose job it is to teach technology integration, or in our case, to teach digital citizenship. I think it really, you know, there's no one who would say, I'm exempt from teaching that. That's not my thing. Whether it's a teacher, a principal, an ed tech coach, especially parents at home, you know, teaching digital citizenship really is a full-time job for everyone because it touches our kids and our adults everywhere they are. So that, and, and I think, you know, just speaking in broad terms, that that really is everyone's job. Yeah, I would agree with JP completely that, um, I think a lot of times it falls in certain pockets in our school district. Um, we see that sometimes our computer teachers kind of pick up the responsibility. Sometimes our librarians pick up the responsibility. Sometimes, uh, you know, it falls a little bit in with our PBIS, but quite honestly, we start putting technology into the hands of five-year-olds. So it's everybody's job. 
to help them to figure out how to um, use it in the best way possible. And so not only is it everybody's job, but you know, every teacher is there that models appropriate use of devices and content and content creation. Um, so it, it does fall on everyone. Uh, and, and that can be scary for some people. Yeah, I mean, I, I won't disagree with either one of you. I think that's um, very typical. Going back to Amanda's project, I think it is kind of on us to kind of help teach everyone first, including the parents. Cause that's why I think we're looking at, I know, JP, you did a, a parent night um, down there in Fox, I believe. Um, and I think, Aaron, you may have done something that's related to that as well, because we've seen this stuff being posted. And it's not all kids posting bad things. It is also uh, parents. And so they could use a little knowledge behind what is good digital citizenship before they start turning it on to their kids um so yeah i think everybody needs to be in on it because i mean it's something that happens all the time and we're always online now um and so six hours a day at school getting it from your teachers is not gonna be enough but i think parents are gonna need some help of okay so how do i interact with that how do i do that I, I agree too because um, uh, just the other day we had an ETA meeting and uh, we had a couple guests from Parkway uh, present about some things that they're doing in the library and one of the things that they talked about that um, I don't know really spoke to me talking about like in a lot of districts um, in my district including where you know we do leader in me uh, character education in our at our elementary level and it does not include a digital citizenship piece of it and I think that um, we can, I think teachers might be afraid sometimes to think, oh, this is just an extra thing, but it's not. It can just, it can integrate perfectly in with um, the things that we're already doing, like uh, our character education lessons. And that's something that I wanted to ask everyone. Um, so we, we just established that it's not one person's job. It's not the tech coach. It's not just the tech coach's job. It's not just the computer teacher's job. But so we, you know, we have those teachers who are going to say, I don't know anything about digital citizenship. I just know I don't want my kids on their phone in class. That's all I know. What advice do we give them? Like, how, where do we get them started to say, it is your job and yes, you can do it. And maybe it's like just one tip that you have or one little, here's a conversation starter. I think it's good to be able to give them resources so that they have something to fall back on if they don't feel comfortable starting the conversation just on their own. And I know there's like Common Sense Media has amazing resources. Google has provided some amazing resources with um, the Internet Awesome. ISTE's uh, DigSit Commit program has some excellent resources. So I think being able to give them some of those resources is a good starting place for them to start having those conversations with kiddos. One thing I tell teachers when we talk about digital citizenship instruction is that it's not always necessarily a lesson or an event. But I say that every time we open up a Chromebook or get out a device, that that should always be front-loaded with a conversation around digital citizenship, around the appropriate way to engage with the technology and with the other kids in the class. And I think if we do those little incremental um, short mini lesson, two minute conversations whenever we have um, a piece of technology out, then that goes a long way to kind of getting them thinking around digital citizenship. I, I always like to, to relate it to it. I think it's an extension of the culture in the classroom. You know, when we talk about classroom aspect of using those devices, and that's why I think that METC and Character Plus pair up to do our did sit days. Um, you know, we go to middle schools, high schools, and elementary schools to talk about the importance of being good digital citizenships and it's a partnership between 
character plus and MTC because the character piece is one thing, but then digital is another, but it's really just an extension of each other and they do should, they should work together. And I think being at a leader in me school before, no, they don't actually talk about digital citizenship, but they do talk about a lot of aspects of our own culture and, uh, and all that. And if you can tie that into this is a digital piece, I think it's, it should be an easy tie in, but just having those resources that you mentioned um, will be very helpful. So um, Sam and Amanda, because you're sitting right there, out there in Wentzville, as tech leaders um, in your district, how are, how are you teaching digital citizenship or teaching about it uh, to your teachers or to your students? So we're, we really have had like lots of pockets where digital citizenship has been taught in the schools. And that's a, one of the things that we're trying to come around as a district and as kind of a, a leadership team is uh, this year we're actually starting a cohort that's meeting um, and we are reading the book, The Art of Screen Time. And then as a group, we're going to start having the conversations and some of them might be some tough conversations about how digital well-being needs to be handled um, in our school because it is um, a, a large district. We need to have a clearer plan for our teachers of how we're going to handle that. Yeah, uh, one thing that kind of resonated with me from ETA as well, and Erin, you mentioned them earlier, um, the two that presented from Parkway, Amy Johnson and Kim Linsong, they both just commented on how when you say it's everyone's job, no one does it. It has to be pretty clear what everybody needs to do. I think that's the tricky part, tricky part too. And right now it is just in pockets. I mean, we have a, a librarian um, just off the top of my head, Kelly Oliva, at one of our li libraries that went through every English class in the school, which covers every student and is every student's required to take four years in English. And she had them evaluate as they came to the library, uh, just how often they're interacting with their phone, how many times they're picking it up and just went through some simple things that they can do to analyze their screen time. So we have little things going on like that, as Sam mentioned earlier in our computer teachers kind of cover it, but it needs to just be an ongoing conversation. And our hope is that we're modeling to teachers and talking about how they can embed little things into what they do by giving kids opportunities to, you know, participate in online discussions and talk about kind language and and practicing those things online are important as well. So we're, we're kind of at a place where we're doing more research and moving on from there. I think that's a really good point. The um if we say it's everyone's job, no one does it. And now I feel like I need to resend what I said a little while ago. Um, I think that's a really good point that, and maybe to amend that, that everyone has a specific role they play. So we were talking about families and their role. Uh, so how can we involve our families in digital citizenship instruction? Well, just very quickly, just because I, this is part of my innovator project and I did some research and talked to some parents in our community and one of the issues that parents are facing well several of the issues that parents are facing is if we send things home digitally they're already feeling like they get way too much communication they feel like the communication is not personalized to how old their kids are or not personalized to their interests or their needs so they they feel kind of overwhelmed by that they also feel like they're not necessarily up to date on what their kids are up to on their phones so they feel like they don't have the skills that they need to even communicate with their kid 
you know, to make a, make a plan with what to do. So I, I just think having some face-to-face -face time, which some of you already do, having those evenings, you know, is, is so important. And I think trying to get our students involved with sharing with the community and with parents is, is key as well. And having people in the community come out, like maybe some pediatricians to talk about screen time or, you know, maybe the cyber crimes unit to scare the pants off of parents a little bit. Well, I like how you were saying just even starting with just a plan, like what do I even do here when I even give my kid a device for the first time? Because, I mean, let me tell you, so my son, Jack, he's nine years old. We have an old iPhone at home that's connected to our Wi-Fi. And for the first time, we let him connect, uh, put a phone number in of his uh, of a little buddy from school in his phone. And they text back and forth. We had to have this whole conversation about, um, we do not text our friend at 5.30 in the morning. We, <laughs> you know, there's certain times that you should text. It should maybe be between, I don't know, this time and this time. And then like, eight, let's say 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. And then once it gets beyond that, like you, you don't do that anymore. And then all the way to like, gifs and things i mean he was just just slamming they were both slamming each other with gifs like one after another it was just crazy and so then we had to start having conversations about text messaging etiquette and everything and it's just funny how those kind of things pop up and i i feel like as a tech person i feel like i was able to have those conversations with him but for some parents they might not have that background yeah that's that's pretty fun Five thirty in the morning i you can't send text messages that early. I should tell my boss that. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> hey, so, Stephanie. Yeah, I'm just kidding. So, on um, yeah, episode 73 of the METC podcast, we had Tanya Averett from um, Adobe, and she mentioned in, in that in our interview that um, as you get kids, as they grow up, and you start giving them devices, the charger should live in the parents' rooms, and that's where they are charged at night because that's when most of the bad things happen is nighttime, and so. Once it's you determine the time, with seven o'clock or eight o'clock, it's fine. You go charge it in our room, and it stays there until the morning, until it's time to get up. And and she said that's really worked with her daughter, and that's what she recommends out there. So I thought that was pretty neat um, way to look at it too. I've also heard, and I think this is from the Google site when they talk about digital citizenship, um, that your family computer should be in an open space, not in a room somewhere. It should be in your living room, or maybe you know in the den or in the kitchen or whatever. It's open. So there is no secret spot for it or it's not, it's not in the office. The office is the adults um, workspace or whatever, but um, those are some good tips I think for, for some adults too. Yeah. You know, when I do, when I do parent nights here in Fox, that's one of the sections that we go through. We go through um, tips for managing your kids and their device usage. And those are definitely both things we talk about. We talk about using and storing, phones in shared family spaces. Uh, you know, we talk about if we don't let them take the phone in the room, we shouldn't let them have a power cord on their own. And, you know, one thing that we just started doing, I actually published the first one last week, um, you know, because as some of our listeners may know, I have a new role that I work in communications now. And I started this digital wellness um, social series that every month we post a new kind of social media tip on, I'm sorry, a new digital citizenship digital citizenship tip on our social media and the first one was just that it was um having a family media bin for times that your family has decided that we're going to go device free to spend time together um and that's you know i'm excited to see that kind of play out throughout the year and how that series grows but that's you know that first piece of advice is and it's all about you know knowing when to put put your devices down 
I think one of my favorite resources for parents um, is that Family Online Safety Institute, mm -hmm. uh, foci.org. And they've got a, there's a little spot on there when you go on, it says like good digital parenting. And um, it's kind of like a little checklist that they can go through. It's got episodes they can watch, a toolkit. And then I also like on that website, uh, they have policy and research. And so they are constantly updating this website uh, with things that are uh, just just brand new things. I mean, for example, I'm looking at it right now and on October 17th, 2019, they just pushed out an article called TikTok's top 10 tips for parents. I mean, so they're really on top of it. And is uh, the first one, don't let your kid use TikTok. <laughs> yes. Because that really I, needs to be the first, like that really needs to be the first one. Don't let your kids use TikTok. Yes. Uh, Jack actually asked me if he could put the TikTok app on his phone. And before he, he said like TikTok out of his phone, I mean, out of his mouth, I was like, no, <laughs> you cannot. And um, uh, now wait, now wait a second. We, we just talked about how we can get teachers to be comfortable using devices when they say we don't want to use devices in our classroom. We tell them otherwise, but in their way to, get around can't you can we learn how to use tiktok the right way well you know what's interesting i i follow george Kiros on instagram and his kind of new thing is posting tiktok videos so i i think yeah but i don't know i've never i can't say i've been on tiktok so i'm not sure what you see when you open it up you might see some so i'll and i'm pretty sure let me i have this app on my phone because you know, I don't think I do anymore, actually. I put it on there whenever I get ready to do, no, I don't. Whenever I get ready to do one of the parent nights, you know, I have my list of apps that I talk about and that's one of them. And I just like the videos that are fed to me is like, and I don't have an account or anything like that, but the videos that are fed to me are never like, not one of them have been a thing that I want my daughter, like my own personal seven-year-old kid looking at and saying, that's what I need to do to get attention. Like, no one's wearing enough clothes and hips are moving way too much. <laughs> Living la vida loca. I like it. <laughs> but let's talk about one other thing. You know, when we talk about like what we do is as tech leaders to, um, to promote digital citizenship, Aaron and I both, and I don't know if Sam and Jonathan, and Josh, and I guess Amanda have done this, but we've both done screenings of screenagers for families. Aaron, I think you did it just for parents, right? Mm -hmm, correct. And I actually, when I did it, and I had the benefit of like getting to learn from Aaron first, so mine, you know, mine was better than it would have been on its own, but I actually did it with parents and then encouraged them to bring their kids. So Screenagers, if you're not familiar with it, is a, document, a documentary that this doctor made about her own kid and the perceived addiction to screens. And they interviewed other families who have dealt with different sorts of digital addiction and kind of how to handle those conversations and what that's like and some tips and advice and just real life case studies. Um, and I thought that was a really, really powerful event. It was powerful for just the parents. But when the parents brought their kids with them and they were able to watch it together, process it together and have conversations as a family, I thought that made it an even more powerful experience for everyone in the room. What have your experiences been with viewing screenagers? I thought it was great. I mean, for, for our parents, because um, I had kind of a little document I had typed up that had a little fill in the blanks and stuff. And so it was great because they were watching it and they were looking for different things and filling the blanks. In. And then when they were finished, they had all of these notes that they could take home with them and, and talk to their, their kids about. And I, yeah, I thought it was a, I thought it was a great documentary. And I think I got an email recently. I believe that they've released a second 
a second one. Um, so I haven't seen that one yet or anything like that, but I think it'd be great to do another digital citizenship for parents and, and students um, night and, um, and show that next screening, mm-hmm. whatever, the, the, whatever that new one is. I, I can't find it right now. I don't think it's like, it's not necessarily Screenagers 2, but yeah. it's something by them on a, like the topic is similar, but it's not exactly the same. Oh, here we go. Screenagers has a new movie. Next chapter, Uncovering Skills for Stress Resilience. Oh, okay. That's awesome. So that would be really neat. It says high stress, anxiety, and depression are experienced by millions of young people. We follow physician and filmmaker Delaney as she discovers solutions for improved adolescent well-being in the digital age. So that sounds really, that sounds great. And would fit well too with having like what um, Amanda was saying, having, you know, chiropractors coming in and, and a pediatrician and just different people like that too, um, to kind of go along with that digital wellness. I'm just going to like get off this podcast right now and start planning this night. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So any other thoughts uh, before we close the show? Well, uh, thank you again to Amanda for being our guest on the show today. Really appreciate it. And uh, for our listeners, uh, please, you know, put a tweet out there, share with us your best practices for digital citizenship instruction. We'd really like to hear uh, what you do. Um, It's always great to share those kind of things. So uh, before we shut it down, let's go around one more time. Uh, So I'm Erin Lawson, Orchard Farm School District, and you can find me on Twitter at Erin underscore Lawson three. I'm JP Presvento, Fox C6 School District. You can find me on the Twitters at JP Pres or at jpprez.com. I'm Sam Hardesty-Knoll. I'm an instructional technology coach with the Wentzville School District, and you can reach me at TechKnoll. And I'm Jonathan Lee. I'm an instructional specialist with METC. You can connect with me on Twitter at JLeeTechPercent. And don't forget about our special Google Innovator guest today. I'm Amanda Moody, and you can connect with me at TechMoody. All right. Well, make sure that you review our podcast on Apple Podcasts, leave feedback on Anchor, and connect with us on Twitter at, at EdTechPodSquad. Have a good one. Bye, See ya. This has been another episode of the EdTech Pod Squad. We will see you next month for sharing and reflecting with Josh Howard, Samantha Hardesty-Noll, Aaron Lawson, Jonathan Lee, and JP President.